Hello and welcome back to Perspectives. Today's guest is David Jacko Jackson. He is a master breathwork instructor and a former strength and conditioning coach and professional rugby player. Breathing is something we all do without even thinking about it. But what if I told you that we had been breathing incorrectly for years? Breathing has a huge impact on our mental and physical performance in relation to things like our attention span, our ability to concentrate and focus, how we manage our stress levels and in physical performance when delaying lactic acid and that ability to reduce exercise-induced asthma, which is that wheezing sensation you get when you have run a little bit too hard and you realise you're coughing and wheezing for the next 45 minutes to an hour after. In this episode, Jacko talks us through the mechanisms behind breathing and how we can test our breathing efficiency, why we should be breathing predominantly through our nose rather than our mouth, how we can use breath work to manage our stress levels and improve our overall health and mental performance, and much, much more. This is a very, very interesting episode. There's a lot of stuff about breath work I did not even realise myself. But before we do get into the episode, I wanted to ask a favour. It is nearly Christmas and we are at episode number 10. So if you would like to give me a gift this year, you can do so by subscribing to the podcast and spreading the word. We have made it to 10 episodes, which has been pretty amazing. I've really enjoyed the experience I've had doing this podcast, we've had some amazing guests, so thank you very much to everyone who's come on. And if you are a regular listener, I really, really do appreciate your support. It means a great deal that you choose to spend your free time listening to me talk for in excess of 40 minutes at a time. So thank you very much. So without further ado, let's get on with the show. David Jackson. Jacko, welcome to Perspectives. Great to have you on. Thanks for thanks for having me. So I know you were a professional rugby player in your in your heyday, but can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and what you do? Uh, yeah, so I retired from professional rugby um, just over ten years ago from a from a brain injury. I'd had a series of concussions throughout my career, and that was a very difficult time. It took me a sort of year to get over my more classic symptoms. But then it was a another couple of years or few years before I came across breathing and the effect that that can have on uh, or have, how the effect that a brain injury or concussions can have on our spirit centers in the brain, how that can affect a whole manner of things and our recovery and our brain health um, and our nervous system. And, you know, I was back to... I'd retrained as a strength and conditioning coach. We were just talking before we came on air about the school calisthenics where we were teaching and coaching and doing gravity defying movements and stuff. But I still had issues with like my memory, sleep, managing stress. So potentially to the outside world was fine. Um, but my inner world was probably still needing some work. And myself or my wife were always interested in anything that would uh, help promote brain health for myself because I'm in a category of people who 
have sustained a, a number of um, concussions and then also one very significant traumatic brain injury. I had a, had a seizure on the training field and a bleed on the brain. Um, that puts me in a category of, of people that um, are prone to early onset of dementia and cognitive issues um, moving forward. There's research that shows that after just three concussions, they see you know the fourth and beyond significant cognitive decline for those people and those that play in sort of contact sports like like I did, like rugby ball, you know, think, well, cranky, I mean, I got took to hospital four times. Like if you add up all the concussions when I didn't get, you know, it's like 10 or more, it's, you know, it's double figures for, for, for a lot of us. So it's really important that we do look after, um, after ourselves. Um, we don't have to go down the various different rabbit holes of like what's going on in, in the sports unless you want to. Um, but I think there's been something around breathing that has been not dismissed, I think just left because the notion that it's just this thing that's automatic, but just because it's automatic doesn't mean it's optimal. And because it's automatic, once those experiences have been affected from a brain injury or from, from any type of um, stressful event, which could be a physical stress like that, or it could be a psychological stress, and it could be a big stressful event or just constant daily little bit of, of stress. Our nervous system and stress, the breathing responds in the same way. Um, and it won't normalize itself on its own. Uh, and this was something that, that that I found through the oxygen advantage. Needed to do it for my own self, um, but started to see the effects it was having on me, but then also on athletic performance. And have, working as a strength and conditioning coach at the time, I was like, wow, I wish I knew this when I played rugby. Like how it's affecting our ability to perform, our ability to concentrate, um, lactate threshold, just the ability to manage your breathing. You know, when you're playing a sport like rugby, like there's times where you're absolutely blowing out of your ass, and to be able to manage that feels amazing. And then how you recover and, and like being able to sleep after a night game and things like this. So I started reaching out a few years ago to um, some people that were still involved in rugby from when I played, and yeah, started working with started working within the world of world of rugby on this, and it, it's something that is, yeah, it. it it's, it it feels like it's built. People are starting to become more aware of it. Some of the listeners, I'm sure, will be sort of at the point where I was at first. You're like breathing, like, well, you can train breathing at once. You just breathe, don't you? That's often a starting point for people. But there's there's so much to it. And I'm sure we're going to delve into that during the podcast. Yeah, I mean, the idea of brain health's really really interesting as well because I've got friends who played rugby uh, even just last couple of weeks ago I had a friend who texted me saying did 80 minutes on Sunday uh mild concussion again just that's kind of the norm most weekends going out and getting concussed on the rugby pitch and then you've seen the rise of some of these sports that just are out and out absurd now have you seen the world slap fighting championships and things like that yeah I think at least in rugby like the purpose isn't to try and knock someone out it's just that it, yeah yeah no try 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 to to not feed my Instagram algorithm. But yeah, every now and again, you see something like that. Yeah, just two people just sat opposite each other and they just whack each other. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's, I think, as you say, I think people are becoming more aware of it now. But uh, yeah, I just don't understand how that has ever been allowed, just to be honest. Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. It's not, it's, it's crazy. That's, that's literally crazy because <laughs> they sit there and they have to like not even flinch. Um, yeah, it's crazy. Mm. That's a story for another day or a tale for another yes. day to, to right the wrongs yeah, of that sport. 
But I've noticed breathwork's really taken off in popularity over the last couple of years. You see people doing it. You know, my own experiences have been through, I used to do a bit of yoga back in uh, my uni days. Um, the society, £25 a year, which was probably the best value for yoga you're going to get ever. Um, yeah. But that was all about, obviously, mindfulness and trying to relax and sort of listen to your breath, control the breath through the movements, all that sort of stuff as well. And then you've got sort of other popularities as well where people are doing breath work for like you know meditation in the mornings as well and then there's different yeah. strategies as well I, I had a guest on who utilizes lots of different strategies in his training including things like wearing earbuds so he can listen to the sound of his breath and yeah. noise yeah. his heartbeat to try and again practice that connection he said he always looks for connection and I know there's some other people as well so there's I think Andrew Tracy I've heard he carries water in his mouth just to encourage things like nasal breathing when he's training and things like that we we me and andrew tracy did like a uh like a breath holding type of conditioning session together a few months ago it's actually there's a, there's a little video on youtube um, on that but yeah no, andrew tracy's a cool guy yeah i'd like to yeah, get him on we, we, we challenge a few things yeah 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 and and then i've seen recently uh an instagram video came up the other day of someone performing breath holds for like free diving and stuff like that i think she managed like four minutes and 20 yeah those guys are insane and she came up like convulsing it looked pretty terrifying to be honest but not something i really want to get involved in but uh yeah it's, it's amazing what you can do with with breath work and things like that as well i have noticed a lot of people start taping their mouths now as well um my my other half tries to get me to tape my mouth but it's not for the purposes of of nasal breathing it's more to get me to shut up but uh, <laughs> i've seen it's it's a pretty versatile tool to use breath work so hopefully we can dive into a few of those bits today about yeah. you know, some of the benefits that breath work can do and um but i want to really start at the beginning so you, you've talked about some of the benefits in you know in, in your introduction there before but why do you always encourage nasal breathing what is it about things like nasal breathing and breath work that you think is so important what well, if someone asked me some uh uh we do a teacher workshop yesterday and someone asked a question about oh that was it. it was it was to do with tongue position it was like why why should the tongue position be to the roof of the mouth and i was like i'm gonna give you two answers because one of me wanted to be a bit sort of cheeky and i was like sort of crude answer I was like because it, that's where it's supposed to be and it's like with breathing like you ask the, the crude answer to why, why should we be breathing through the nose rather than the mouth and the little i was like because because you're supposed to, that's what you've, how you're designed to, to breathe. It's like, why do you talk with your mouth, you know, rather than talking with your nose, you know, and these are sort of silly little examples that why do you have your eyes? Why do you have your eyelids like at the top of the, the head when you're trying to like look? It's like, cause that's where they're supposed to be. When they're down, I can't see, but it's one of those things that we don't think a lot about. It's one of those things that luckily we don't have to think about it. It, it, it's so important breathing it provides oxygen to all the cells in our body um, and that oxygen is in absolute abundance because of the sheer number of red blood cells and the oxygen carrying capacity um, of the of the blood and actually one of the most important things our breathing does is it is the breathing out of carbon dioxide and it's that exchange of gases that not only provides oxygen for energy for every cell within our body but it's also regulating the pH of our blood, which needs to, you know, homeostasis means that that pH needs to stay between very small and fine margins, like 7.3 to 7.4 or even, or even smaller. And, you know, breathing 
and breathing through the nose specifically compares to there's 30 different functions of the nose that shows it's designed for breathing that the mouth doesn't have. You can use the mouth, but it's more like the emergency exit, the, the emergency option when you, for whatever reason, can't manage either the sheer amount of um, carbon dioxide that's being produced during exercise or you can't manage the airflow through the nose because the, the nose is a uh, much smaller airway or smaller opening, let's say, um, and therefore there's more resistance. Or a very stressful scenario, you know, if I'm doing a ice bath, for example, where the, my breathing changes, the cold can take my breath away. There's nothing to do with like oxygen or carbon dioxide, like changes in that scenario. There's no more carbon dioxide or less oxygen in an ice bath. It makes no difference. But what it does do is it influences our stress response. So we do know that there's a psychological component to breathing and the nervous system, our breathing, our psychophysiological responses are all linked in together. And I guess I had first-hand experience of this with my brain injury where there was like a psychological aspect to it. There was a physical stress and trauma to the body and the nervous system was... Yeah, there was there was dysregulation of the of the nervous system. My, my breathing reflected that. I think that the the interesting thing is that me for a good few years, like a lot of people, we have no idea that our breathing is suboptimal and no idea the effect that's actually having. But what I love about breathing and teaching now is it's very simple to give people some tools to be aware of it. It's very simple to change the way that we feel, the way that we think, the way that we sleep and recover or perform, because it is working with your nervous system. And when we do some very simple things with our breathing, we can, um, yeah, we can have some really positive effects on our our physical and mental well-being and, and physical and mental health overall. That's interesting. I I was going to ask then, is it an optimal ratio between mouth to nose breathing? And you said about it's more of an emergency when you can't get enough oxygen through the nose and you need to sort yeah. of your mouth. Because conventionally, most people, you know, I I certainly do it. And I know if I've uh, been on a bit of a run or something, you tend to start breathing a bit more heavily through your mouth. And previous guest I've had on, he said he actually uses nasal breathing as a performance limiter. So in that sense, he's... He's limiting how fast he can do it purely based on that reason there. That yeah. doesn't want to stop yeah. through his mouth. And when he does, he knows that he's going a bit too hard. He needs to back off a little bit so he can kind of regain yeah. all the breath through the nose. Yeah. Um, but to give a really broad perspective, what's really important is to understand it's never one thing apart from like, you know, if you're just sat down watching telly or reading a book, there's absolutely zero reason why you should be breathing through your mouth. But when we're talking about that exercise, it depends on the intensity of the exercise. It depends on the individual. It depends on their airway. It depends on the purpose of this training session. Like I, like that other guest, went through a huge phase where I only let my nose dictate the intensity of the exercise that I was doing. But the exercise that I started working towards was my first marathon and then ultramarathons. We're not running very fast. It's, it's aerobic, it's not anaerobic. And so it's much easier to stay in a nasal breathing capacity. 
it's also not just about whether which hole in your face you're using to get the air in. Breathing is not getting the air in. Breathing, that's just the opening that you're using. We then have the mechanics of how we're breathing. We also have the speed at which we're breathing. We have the volume of air of which we're breathing. And all those things play into the dynamics around your breathing. And all those things can make you uh, perform better and they can be more efficient or they can be less efficient and you can waste energy and effort and nervous system upregulation on the act of breathing, which can then, when we talk about exercise performance, diminish our, our, our performance and make us fatigue quicker. You've even got like the strength of your breathing muscles. Like think about strength training in order to provide a stimulus. And this is where my background in strength and conditioning, I like to use a lot of analogies for, from that. Like if I'm wanting to make my deadlift stronger, or if I want to deadlift 200 kilos, if I have a bar that weighs 20 kilos and no other weights in the gym, and I just set about lifting that 20 kilo bar and I get better and better and better at lifting that 20 kilo bar. Maybe I can lift it a thousand times without getting tired because it's not very heavy. It's that is never going to be enough resistance to provide an adaptation where I actually get strong enough to lift 200 kilos. Whether you breathe with your nose or your mouth, nose provides about 50% more resistance than your mouth. So that'd be, if people are inherently mouth breathing when they're exercising, using the nose will provide some more resistance which for some people, depending on what their airway is like and what their chemosensitivity to is like, what their psychological relationship is like with breathing, they may or may not find that actually good, bad, or somewhere in between in terms of like, does this actually feel harder or not? But it is providing a bit more resistance, but it's not a lot. And if you want to build up the strength of your breathing muscles, then we need to provide some resistance, some decent resistance. Stronger muscles perform better. Stronger muscles will uh, fatigue less. Um, and there's a real there's a real performance benefit to working on the strength of our inhalation and exhalation muscles. The type of thing I do with some professional and international rugby players I work with because they're trying to, you know, find an extra edge and we're working on nutrition and sleep and, you know, we're working on all these different things and breathing is just another one of those that has yet to be trained. And just because you're feeling, doing cardiovascular training, aerobic, anaerobic, whatever, it's not training the respiratory system like specifically. It's not providing resistance and it's not in changing our tolerance to carbon dioxide buildup, which can be linked with our lactate threshold. If we just come very quickly back away from sport and just go to like, normal day-to-day, or you're doing a meditation, or whatever it is that you're doing, we should be breathing in and out through our nose. And we should be trying to do less than more. Think about efficiency. To breathe efficiently, you're going to do less of it. Use less fuel. Your breathing is then calmer, is slower. Your nervous system is calmer, and you're going to feel better. And the nose helps to do that from a number of different angles. One, just like the extra resistance slows down the speed of your breathing. But once you're not exercising, slowing it down isn't challenging. It should be calming. You've got nitric oxide in the nose, which helps with oxygen uptake and is antiviral, antifungal. You've got all the different little tiny hairs in your nose, which helps to um, filter the air as it comes in, that the mouth doesn't have any of these properties. So you're like almost cleaning the air as it comes in and goes into your airways. A lot of people that have asthma are inherently mouth breathers. 
and particularly exercise-induced asthma. When we start to uh, build up people's tolerance to be able to breathe through the nose and use that filtration system that's naturally within the nose, we significantly improve asthmatic symptoms. And I've had plenty of clients that, you know, <laughs> the last guy who's like, actually, I don't know where my inhaler is anymore. I've lost it. And it wasn't that he wasn't bothered that he lost it. It was like, I just haven't used it. I can't remember the last time I used it because I don't need it anymore, um, which is fantastic. And, um, you know, and, and, and he feels better for it. Um, and hopefully it makes a lot of sense. Like if you're getting like unfiltered, cold air, dry air hitting the back of the throat, it's going to irritate your airways. Of course it is. Whereas the nose is is providing that protection and importantly, keeping a lot of moisture inside. Um that moisture helps with the oxygen uptake within the blood and the and the transportation or, or, or removal of, of CO2 out of the blood into the lungs so that you can then breathe it out. Um, I don't know all 30 different functions of the nose <laughs> off the top of my head, but I've, I've given us a few. Uh, hopefully built up the picture of like, it's the organ for breathing. The nose is for breathing. The mouth is for eating. In, in terms of, you talked about obviously filtration through the nose as well. Have you found anything interesting to do with things like hay fever or allergens to do with breathwork as well? Have you found that uh, you can use breathwork to alleviate symptoms like that at all? Um, that has been documented. I personally haven't. I haven't had clients come to me with that as an issue and something that we were working on. So I don't have any personal data points on that. But yeah, that 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 has been been documented. A, a really good book for for like a really wide broad view and or broad perspective on what breathing can do for all aspects of health world is um patrick McEwan's uh, the breathing cure so it's like the the book that came after the oxygen advantage you know the breathing cure it's a great book for that i'll add that to my list i've not read the oxygen advantage yet but i'm obviously familiar with a bit of you could probably jump to the breathing cure it has a lot of the same stuff in the in the sort of uh, first few of chapters of it so it's not like you need to read the Oxford before you read The Breathing Cure. The Breathing Cure was to be a standalone sort of, here's everything. It's like a Bible. It's massive. It's like, well, that's it. The encyclopedia for breathing, basically. Yes, pretty much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was listening to a podcast the other, the other day and they had Andrew Huberman on, who is a, he's a neuroscientist from Stanford University. Yeah. And he was talking about in the it was in the early stages of the podcast they were talking about nasal breathing and how it can impact the attractiveness in later life so effectively what they're saying is your how you breathed as a child whether you're a predominantly yeah. a nose breather or a mouth breather would determine the shape and the sort of jaw musculature development yeah. in later life so if you breathe more through your nose as a child or in, in early stages and throughout your life you tend to have a probably a more a more chiseled jaw so yeah you know the, and then better teeth because your teeth have got the space for themselves yeah so, so sure. is that to do with uh can you tell us a bit more about that then perhaps you know if you if you can share a bit of light on um, why that i'm not the i'm not the expert in like that sort of child development and stuff um james nestor documents it well in his book um breath um, and I say you've been talking about it there. Um, the Nesta talks about looking at skulls and how over over periods of time we've seen this this change in the structure. And one of the theories that makes a lot of sense to me is that that early child development of the the jaw and, and structure and the, the muscles around that breastfeeding is really important for that. 
and there's actually like having to chew our food whereas a lot of the time now someone may not breastfeed or maybe not breastfeed for that long and then also the types of um you know mushed up baby food is relatively new as a, as a concept like we don't have to chew our food that much but i think the breastfeeding was a really um, big part of developing um developing that um and just an understanding around nasal breathing he had a story uh, in his book around um a tribe somewhere where you know it wasn't because they were looking at research literature it's just something that's passed down through generations knowledge that when they uh, when the babies were sleeping the parents or the grandparents would if the if the mouth was ever open for the child they just gently close the um, gently close their lips because they knew that nasal breathing was karma probably purely from just observing it if you see someone like breathing through the mouth it just it doesn't look right you know it, it doesn't look calm and even if you just do this now people listening can do this as well like open your mouth really wide as wide as you can and then take a breath in it will be vertical and shallow into your upper chest you cannot because of the resistance that isn't there you, that mouth wide like open makes it more sort of obvious to, to feel and notice but you can't mechanically breathe well when you're breathing like that it's just impossible and yeah it's part of that it's part of that fight or flight stress response um, so trying to breathe with your nose is yeah it starts you off in a in a great in a better a better starting point from the way the air is entering in but then yeah we also want to think about what's going on below that mm. I felt it like tickling the throat as well when I didn't yeah 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 you notice that, it that is cold the, you feel it yeah you definitely notice sure. it more in the winter when it, when the weather starts sort yep. of the thermometer starts heading south you you do step out in the in the cold in the morning and you do get that real yeah it's cold um on on your throat as well so so talk to me about you've said about the nasal breathing as well abnormal breathing and how how would someone identify if they're perhaps their breathing is maybe suboptimal um is there a little test they could do is there something they could do at home to perhaps gauge how effective they are at breathing what yeah one of the one of the simplest things i get people to do at the start is normally a couple of things but the, the, the most simplest is literally sit down relax put one hand on your upper chest one hand below where your two lower ribs meet so not on your belly because you, where your belly button is isn't where your lungs or your diaphragm is so where your two lower ribs meet that's where your diaphragm is and sit and count your breathing for like 30 seconds so just set a timer for 30 seconds and count your breathing and feel your breathing so use your hands to notice the size of the breath the direction of the breath and where the movement within your body is is coming from and see how much of it is vertical compared to sort of a three-dimensional expansion see how much of it's coming from that upper chest rather than coming from the lower portion of the ribcage where the diaphragm is and observe trying to slow your breathing down because when you just sit and count your breathing it's quite natural to slow it down just observe your automatic try and be the observer of your breathing and you know we had someone yesterday we were doing this at the workshop they seemed very calm they seemed fine let's say the classic english word how i am fine um i think we were actually pointing about the english language saying like fine dining you know what does we were talking about uh, penny hill park fine dining there michelin star restaurant that's fine dining so fine means in that res respect regards means 
like over the top, like fabulous or whatever. <laughs> I think of a good word. Whereas, how are you doing? I feel fine. It's like it doesn't make any sense. Um, but anyway, seemingly fine. Her breathing rate, so respiratory rate. Um, do it over 30 seconds just because people naturally slow it down so if, rather than doing it over a minute where it's going to gradually slow down more do it over 30 seconds and then multiply that number by 2 to get your respiratory rate that person was breathing at 14 breaths in the 30 seconds so 28 breaths per minute when I'm running 10k in about 50 minutes so like a 25 minute 5k type of thing it's like I'm alright pace I'm breathing at 20 breaths per minute. People are sat down listening to this podcast right now, breathing like some dude is running. And that ain't good. <laughs> that That is not efficient and that is not a calm nervous system. And it is a doorway to actually understand how are you doing? You, you're not fine. And I'm not asking how are you doing in terms of like mentally, whether you feel okay and you're on top of your work commitments or whatever. How is your nervous system? And your breathing is a reflection of your nervous system. And your breathing will tell you how your nervous system is doing. And if you are breathing that fast, the rate or speed at which we're breathing is indicative of like stress. You know, I see myself as quite lucky. I had a very traumatic, stressful brain injury. Boom. It was very obvious. Whereas if you have a lot of little stress every single day, it builds up without you knowing. You know, a bit after my brain injury, I wasn't breathing as fast as her. I bet actually my breathing, I bet hers is worse than mine, but it goes under the radar. It's like the analogy of the boiling frog. If you put a, a frog in boiling water, it jumps out. If you put a frog in cold water and gradually heat it up to boiling, unfortunately it dies. I've not done it, it's just the analogy. But they're apparently so. Good, and, and, and that is life for a lot of us. We don't, we don't know. But what I can tell you is your breathing will tell you. Your breathing will tell you how hot that water's getting. It's an early sign before you have a breakdown. Death by a thousand cuts, isn't it? That, that's the that's the saying. Yeah, man. Just that little build up of, of stresses and uh and things like that. Not... Your breath will tell you. Your breath will tell you. It can't not. It can't not. So you, you spoke about stress there, and obviously you, you mentioned before about how it can be used as a, as a tool to manage stress. So can you tell us a little bit more about how we could perhaps utilize the breath to, yeah. as a, as a measure to sort of counteract the stresses that we incur in, in day to day life, of which there are many now for sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'd love to. Yeah. I'd love to. And, I, and I'll give a few very practical things for us to do just, but just to, to mention, I've got a free course on my website, probreathwork.com. Um, this isn't about me sort of promoting my website, but it's a, it, that's about saying there's a free course. I made it free because I want people to be able to you be able to use this tool. And, and it's a really great question because what we've just talked about is said it number of sort of banged on about it. I was just trying to get the message home of like your breathing will tell you whether you're stressed or not. The beautiful thing about the breathing is it's bi-directional. The breathing can be the thing to de-stress to bring yourself back down. Um, so the uh, I guess the key thing is understanding very simple little thing and um, that's very difficult to introduce without sounding like you're singing um, every breath you take so every breath you take your heart rate on the inhale speeds up slightly and is more sympathetic activating of the nervous system so upregulating fires or flight 
every exhale you take, heart rate slows down, there's more parasympathetic motor. The rest digests the relaxation response, the opposite of the fight or flight. This is happening with every breath you take. And this is happening because your nervous system is supposed to be um, communicating and finding out how is my external and internal environment and responding appropriately. You know, there's, there's a gazillion things that your wife always says this. She, she's a health coach. She talks a lot about physiology. She talks a lot about this old nervous system stuff. Says so that like, there's a gazillion, billion, whatever things that your body's got to do. The nervous system has these two arms so that it can switch between the two because it can't do everything at once. You can't run away from the stress and digest food at the same time. It's like you can run away from the stress and then once you've calmed yourself down, then you can digest your food. So understanding a little bit about the nervous system, really important. Understanding that if we're gonna, the more we're going to stress the body, the more we need to respect the recovery part of it. Um, then in terms of, in terms of managing stress, I think there's two really key things that I teach with the breath. One is trying to just reduce the overall level of stress within the body. Think of like a stress bucket. Rather than being like up here, I'm going to try and just improve the efficiency of how you're breathing, which is the one thing your body's got to do in the background, regardless of anything else you're doing. So if I can make your breathing a bit calmer, a bit more efficient, so you don't have to do as much of it. You don't have to spend as much energy on it. That's just going to be overall a slightly more calmer nervous system that's going to give you a bit more capacity to cope with external stresses that you can't control. That's that's one thing. So that's working on the three dimensions of our breathing, working on the mechanics of our breathing. So breathing through the nose, breathing, visualizing the diaphragm, um, the biochemistry, which is improving my sensitivity to carbon dioxide, which is really important for managing stress because the more sensitive we are to carbon dioxide building up, uh, the worse our, uh, our blood circulation is, the worse our oxygen gets a less efficient oxygen delivery into, into tissues, and the more prone we are to anxious thoughts. Like carbon dioxide has a positive effect on the conscious senses of the brain to help us, like from a physiological perspective, manage stress and anxiety better. And so we can use the breath to on one side, bring the overall system down to give us greater capacity. But then the other thing is in the instance, knowing that if I slow my exhalations down, I I start to bias myself away from that like fight or flight response and more into calmer state. So the slowing of exhalations can be really helpful. Nasal breathing, like because of the olfactory nerve, when we're breathing through the nose compared to breathing through the mouth, our, our state of that nervous system is is different. When we're mouth breathing, we're much more likely to be in a fight or flight response. But the fact that no, all these things are linked, nothing, none of them are in isolation. If you said when you're mouth breathing, that less resistance, the irritation of the airways, the faster breathing rate that it's going to create, the more upper chest shallow breathing it's going to create, it's going to keep me in that sort of state, that, that fight or flight state. So one of the simplest things is just to be consciously aware of your breathing. Choose to close your mouth and breathe through the nose. And we know that when someone counts their breathing or focuses on their breathing, they naturally slow it down by about 20%. That was why I said before we were counting our breathing as a, as a measure. Try not to slow it down. Only measure it for 30 seconds so you don't slow it down too much in the multiple by two. But utilizing it as a, as a tool is like, okay, I'm going to choose to close my mouth. I'm going to breathe through my nose. 
and I'm going to uh, just focus on my breathing. Focus on the sensation of the air in the nose. Focus on the sound your breath is making, and you'll naturally calm it. If it feels good to do so, you start to slow down your exhalations. If you just consciously get control and slow down your exhalations, your heart rate slows down, you start to shift that nervous system back towards back towards balance. In an extreme situation where you're like feeling very anxious, sort of like, you know, towards a panic attack and someone said to you, slow your breathing down, like makes you get even more angry or stressed, then that that isn't as that isn't as simple as just slow your exhalations down. But an, an exercise that we that I cover in the in that free course is one from the Oxford Vantage called Many Short Breath Holds, where we literally take two breaths and pause. Take two breaths and pause. And the pause might have been one or two seconds. It's just like a little circuit breaker within those two breath cycles. And when you go back to the two breath cycles, you can just be consciously aware of your breathing that will help to slow down and just get you back in, the, back in control of your physical and uh, mental states. And I think the other thing that I'd just recommend for everyone is just this notion of if you like, let's do this now, breathe up your, you know, take a breath in and breathe up your nose. And what happens is, yeah, you lift the chest up and everything goes vertical. Now, um, I don't know, will there be, uh, is this just audio or is there, is there visuals? Uh, it's just audio for now, but there will be videos going up on YouTube eventually. So. Okay, well, basically I'm showing it, if you ever have the video, I'm showing the, a picture of the, of the nose. Your, your nose is the tip of the iceberg. Your airway is everything back behind your nose. You know, you, when you breathe in, air's got to go back. And it goes down down your throat <laughs> to your to your lungs. If you think about breathing into your face rather than up your nose, for a lot of the people, a lot of the time, it dramatically changes the mechanics of how they breathe. When we breathe into the face, like breathe horizontally, we get a bit more of horizontal and expansion of the ribcage rather than lifting of it up, and that is going to be better uh, for our breathing. Um, yeah, they're, they're, they're probably some key things I would suggest as a, a starting point for people around using the breath to, one, bring the whole system down, and two, use it in the, in stressful sort of situations. I guess just kind of keeping that, taking that awareness away from the stressful situation and focusing on the breath can actually help in itself as well. Bring your present. Breath. Just, yeah, the, the, the stress you'll be thinking about, the future or the past, you won't be thinking about the present and your breath is happening in the present moment and it helps you to to come back to the now. Don't don't sure. worry about Susan having a having a pop at you from accounts. You just gotta focus on your uh, yeah. <laughs> focus on Susan. So Susan. Susan. <laughs> so you, you mentioned the uh counting the breath um for thirty seconds. Is there a target you, you mentioned yours is about twenty breaths per minute. Is there a, a range uh, we're looking if, if I was running. Them? If you're running. <laughs> If I was running. So um, so just relax what we're looking for. When we're sat down, we're gonna yeah, you're not gonna count your breathing much, really. What you're gonna you're gonna count your breathing much is sat, relaxed, doing nothing. Yeah. And I said we have people twenty eight, thirty, whatever where it's like breathing very fast. It's just a sign that this nervous system is stressed. Um at, at rest, relaxed. We want it to be around ten to twelve. Yeah. As a as a true, genuine like just I'm on auto yeah I know people can I can sit there and I can bring it down to like six breaths per minute I can make it four breaths per minute I might even be able to make it two or 
You know, you get very good. You can practice and get one breath per minute. But that's not going to be your normal when you're not thinking about it. So it's trying to get a gauge of what is my breathing doing when I'm not thinking about it. But unless you've got something like a whoop band or some tech that monitors your respiratory rate without you thinking, um, then you're going to have to think about it, but try not to think about it. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned circulation as well. So I, in particular, suffer from cold hands, cold feet, more so in the winter, but even in summer, sometimes I do it as well. So is there, you know, is there something that I could do with the breath work as well uh, by getting that score down perhaps to, to that 10 to 12 mark? Yeah. Um, Might I need some sort of improvements in things like circulation? Yeah. The So the thing with circulation, or how breathing influence, the positive influence circulation and blood pressure, reg- and blood pressure regulation is carbon dioxide is a vasodilator. So it helps the blood vessels open up, which helps with circulation, also helps with oxygen uh, delivery to tissues. Um, when you're the more sensitive you are to carbon dioxide, you're more likely to breathe faster. But one thing you'll definitely be doing is breathing more air than you need to. And, you know, oxygen within the blood is in such abundance because it's so important. When you breathe more, you don't get any more oxygen in. You're already full. What you do is you get rid of carbon dioxide. And the more you get rid of carbon dioxide, the more sensitive you become to it. The more sensitive you become to it, the more you want to get rid of it. And the more you're getting rid of it, the more your blood vessels will constrict because carbon dioxide is the dilator uh, of blood vessels. So one thing you would want to do, slowing down your breathing, but without increasing the volume of air that you're taking in, in each breath is is like a breathe. One thing would be like a breathing, what we call the oxygen is breathing light. So breathing um, slower, lighter, and, and less air than you might naturally want to and you'll create a a soft relaxing sensation of air hunger which is just a feeling that comes from a signal from the brain that it's noticed carbon dioxide is staying in the body more than you normally do that sensation of air hunger is 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 all that that is and it's it's going to be as long as you don't try to make it too strong should be calming relaxing it's good for carbon dioxide good for your vagus nerves it's actually good for that communication with the nervous system um, and uh, the other one is that that two breaths pause. The same for managing stress. You do two breaths pause. A little pause helps you to accumulate carbon dioxide rather than getting rid of it. And you can just work on the we could talk about we call it like the the chemo sensitivity of the receptors in the brain to, to carbon dioxide. Like they're monitoring carbon dioxide because the effect it has on the pH of the blood. Um, effectively makes the blood more uh, more acidic, and the, the body's wants to try and keep that in balance. So when you um, yeah, when you improve your sensitivity to carbon dioxide, you improve your resilience to stress. You improve the the speed at which you want to breathe as as well, and you can uh, yeah, you can certainly improve your uh, your circulation for sure. Literally, people will you can do like a a guided breathing light practice those on my free courses on the website and within five minutes you'll probably feel your hands and feet becoming warmer because it's happening you know you're literally influencing the levels of co2 within your blood gently 
that helps the blood vessels to dilate and you feel the increase in, in circulation. It, it happens yeah, just in just a few minutes. Amazing. I'm, well, I'm, gonna, I'm definitely going to try that. I'll have a look at your recall. <laughs> he's, he's, he's in. No more gloves. And it's free. <laughs> so it's, it's a no-brainer. Yeah, you still want to wear gloves when it's snowing outside, for sure. But yeah, you can definitely work on it because I've got cold hands. It's, I'm not even cold, though. It's just I just get cold hands. Just, yes. Yeah. Yeah. It could, or you know, it could be something else as well. But if it, I would definitely, you know, the easy thing about breathing is it's free. Just do a bit of work on it and, and see if it helps. What's that? Uh, have you seen the graph? It's the fuck around and find out graph. All your... <laughs> yes, <that's> exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we've talked about using it as a stress management tool. We've talked about uh, how you can sort of uh, increase circulation, things like that as well. You mentioned focus and concentration. So I know a lot of people struggle with concentration, myself included, certainly getting better at it. And I've yeah. been reading some books that have definitely opened my eyes to a few major distractions in my life, such as, have you read Stolen Focus? Yeah. Johanari's book? No, I haven't. Uh, really good book. So it's just yeah. how basically the digital world is hungry for your attention and it's yeah. everything is designed to grab your attention. So there's times where exactly. you, why can I not concentrate? There are, you know, it's, you kind of, the odds are against you um, as well. So it's, if you feel completely useless and not being able to control your ability to focus, it's not, it's not completely yeah. fault. But uh, yeah. I probably, I probably look at it slightly, like the same in, the, in total agreement, but I probably look at it slightly differently in that, I think you'll agree with this. It, it's not just that the, uh, yes, the digital media is hungry for our attention. And, it, it, and it's definitely is designed to grab our attention and distract us. But we choose whether I choose, look, my friends here, I choose whether I pick it up. The phone does not pick me up. The phone has never picked me up and it does not have the ability yeah. to pick me up. The phone does not have the ability to move my arm and make it pick it up. I choose to pick it up. Yeah. Every time I choose to pick it up and every time I choose to check WhatsApp, check Instagram, check my email. I'm practicing distracting. I'm practicing being distracted. And therefore, I get very good at being distracted. It's like, cool, you you did it. You, never, you, you got better at what you were practicing. Don't complain that you can't. If you you don't practice concentration, that's why you practice. It's not, it's not that we don't just, we don't practice. There we go. I'm going with soapboxes. Yeah. <laughs> we don't practice. We don't, but look, it's a good point. We don't practice concentration. And it's worse than that. It's not that we don't. If we just didn't practice concentration, we'd be quite so bad. We don't practice concentration, and no one helps us to concentrate. What When I dropped the rugby ball during a game, what did my coach shout at me? Concentrate! And the word concentrate, and it being shouted at you aggressively, does that in any way improve your ability as a skill to concentrate? Of course not. So we don't get taught how to practice concentrating, and we do not practice it. Not everyone. And, we don't practice it. and then worse than that the other side of it we practice being distracted i do it all the time i hate my phone not I hate my phone but, you know, I'm, I'm i'm the same as everyone else no, I'm gonna so we practice getting distracted i'm trying to practice being distracted less and i'm practicing some concentration with some breathing practice with some meditation practice to try and balance those things out now Though we can't cry about the fact, and I'll make it really obvious, but we can't cry about the fact that we're not good at concentrating when we don't practice it and we practice the opposite. Yeah, If you 
Name a sport that you don't play. I was waiting for Name that. Name a sport <laughs> that you don't play. Do you play cricket? No. Don't play cricket. I used to. I used, used to. to. Name a sport you don't play. Golf. Tennis. Name a sport. Quick. Tennis. Let's go tennis. Tennis. Right. Do you get annoyed that you're not getting any better at tennis? Well, I play and I'm not very good at something. Yeah. But that's... Are you... You're, so you're currently annoyed that you're not getting better if at I tennis? If I play a sport and I'm not very good at it, I don't like it. But that's because I've never played it before. It's not... Yeah. Yeah, but you're not answering... Wait, wait. Come back. You need to answer me a question. Are... You don't play tennis and you do not practice tennis. Are you currently annoyed that you're not getting better at tennis? No. You can't be because you don't do it. Yeah. But it's the same thing. Like, but weirdly, we don't look at it that way. So it's like, you're getting what you practice. We practice distraction. So you're getting bloody good at it. We just don't clap ourselves for getting good at being distracted because we see it as a negative thing. Yeah. But all your body's doing is it's just getting better at the thing you provide it with. Yeah. I like that. I'm going to make a video on Instagram about it. Yeah. That is good. It is good. It is true. It's... um. It's it's one of those things where I think people know there's something wrong, but they don't really yep. know what to do about it, or they don't really know where to focus focus their attention to to resolve yeah, it effectively. Yeah. So you know, again, just that mindfulness element is probably you know starting with the basics of what we said about the breathing techniques. Is there anything specifically breathing wise you have associated with it being a good, uh, you know, a good tool to utilize for improving your your being mindfulness and your uh, ability to concentrate, for example. Yeah. So I think there's, again, two great things with breathing. For some reason in the podcast, it's always two, but two great things with breathing is one, just the act of it being happening in the present moment. It's just a great anchors, classic sort of talk, thing people will talk about with meditation, things of like focus on your breathing, focuses you on the present moment and keeps you mindful. So there's one like, it's a, it's a physical thing you can feel the effort in the nose you can feel your body or your diaphragm moving there's you know you, you can literally connect with it and it can be quite internal you can maybe be quite introspective with it but the other really important thing and interesting thing that people will probably like about it is that and they've studied these types of things with like brain scans and comparing people say nasal breathing compared to mouth breathing their ability what, what parts of the brain are are activating and, and lighting up and you know there's a positive correlation with nasal breathing and the ability to be able to focus and, and concentrate coming back to that same gas carbon dioxide you improve your sensitivity to, to carbon dioxide so you can manage more of it that vasodilation that helps with your circulation it was a big one for me for my brain it improves blood flow everywhere but particularly blood flow to the brain and carbon dioxide is also the catalyst that allows oxygen to be released from red blood cells into the tissues so when I improve my tolerance to carbon dioxide or improve my sensitivity of it, I improve blood flow to the brain and I improve oxygen delivery into the brain. And that is going to be able to help me with my focus and, and concentration for sure. And just the general functioning of the brain. I think the other bit that's, uh, there's three things managed to make it more than two. The, the third thing would then be your actual nervous system state. When you're more stressed, when you're more in fight or flight, when you have more sympathetic activation, things like our peripheral vision narrow, we get, you get you know, a, a narrowing of our, of our field of vision, it's more difficult for us to focus, concentrate. Decision-making, we're in that state of more just reactive. And so one of the, it comes back to, it always comes back to the same sort of things. Breathe for your nose, try to breathe more mechanically better in terms of the ribcage expansion, diaphragmatic breathing, Control your exhalations or slow down your exhalations. Keep a bit of carbon dioxide inside rather than breathing it out. And that's going to help with your nervous system. It's going to help with oxygen delivery, blood flow to your brain. It's going to help you with your focus and, and concentration. 
And you can literally practice, you, you can have a practice of, you know, you might call it meditation or you might not like meditation. Cool. Call it something else. <laughs> call it practicing getting better at concentrating. And whilst you put your phone somewhere else, or you put the other things that normally distract you away, and you step into a place where you then practice concentrating, not only are you going to practice concentrating by, can you just keep focused on your breathing in some way? But by doing that, you're also practicing not being distracted. So you're ticking boxes here. It's cool. I've not, I've had, people haven't really asked me about this so much. I've, I've, um, yeah. yeah, this is an area I haven't really probably spoken about that much. So uh, thank you for really great questions about that side of it. No, I find it interesting. I, you know, it sounds like a lot of this is interlinked with just going back to basics. Really, 100%. it's funny. It's it seems all all the beneficial tools nowadays, especially around health and fitness. We look at you know functional movement yeah. and squatting and things like that. It's all seems to be circling back to when we were when we were younger. So. How, how are you breathing? Are you breathing properly? And things like, you know, it's almost like we've kind of been conditioned as we get older in life with the way the world's structured for whatever reason. I mean, you don't have to go live in a cabin in the woods or anything like that, but, you know, just, just being mindful of some of the some of the things that are present in our day-to-day life that may be actually a bit more of a detriment to us than we thought. Yeah. Things like sitting. People always say, oh, well, you know, the amount of people that can't just sit in a squat position when, when we were growing up, you look at any... Like, like babies now, or how they pick toys up and stuff. They're always sitting in that squat position. Yeah. So, yeah. Just think, I no. think about what's natural and just, you don't have to go far back. Like, just go back. We were talking about this the other day around like, like cold water. So you go like, depending on how old you are, either your mum or dad or your grandma or grandpa will have washed in a cold bath because they didn't have an electric shower and they didn't have central heat. It's that close. It's literally that close away. Whereas, so, so we can argue that it's not natural, it's not normal on the scheme of humanity to be able to like flick a switch and have hot water on you. I know it's nice, but that's not it's not natural. And it's then how many things in your in our life are we doing that are not natural for me, not normal for me in terms of my biology? And then you start to go, okay. I can start to make some decisions about maybe you're one of the weirdos like me that chooses to keep the, the shower on cold, for example. Could be one really simple little thing. Or maybe you walk outside without shoes on, you're on grass in your bare feet and breathing through your nose rather than breathing through your mouth, which is, again, more natural, more desire, uh, how we're designed to be. Like shoes are a great one. Like how long have we had shoes with rubber soles? Not that was whole. Like, a mate of mine that I played rugby with, he came over from New Zealand. From where he was in New Zealand, he's the same age as me, 41. When he was at school, they didn't wear shoes. And one of the other lads who from New Zealand as well, he's like, yeah, when we played his school, we had to take our football boots off, our rugby boots off, and we had to play bare, so it was fair. Like, you know, you couldn't have one team in barefoot and one not. Like, you know, there's just barefoot. And actually, barefoot is normal. It seems not. Seems weird. You see a lot of those shoe shoe companies are bringing out those barefoot trainers and stuff now, aren't they? That's not to say we need to go back to you know foraging for mushrooms and berries in the woods uh, if, to sustain a living. But yeah, there are tools out there that you can, you know, yeah, the the Vi- is it a Vivo barefoot, a Vivo, uh, Vivo barefoot. Yeah, there's I've used those for years now. Love them. But like 
one of the things I love about them is like they're they much prefer you to just not wear any shoes when you get the chance to. Yeah. Like, but when you need to wear a, a shoe, have, have one that gives you foot the space to uh, to sit in. Uh, but yeah, it's yeah. Just think about what what things are more natural rather than just what's normal now. Normal now is like we're sat here looking at a computer screen at each other. Like, that's not normal. Your brain finds it really weird to look at yourself because it never does that in 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 normal life. I just wanted to circle back to sort of last last few points really one you mentioned earlier was about when we're looking at increasing performance and things like that we can look at restricting the flow coming in um i know there's things like people do altitude training i know there's a bit of bit of skepticism around things like the altitude masks and the oxygen training masks and things like that apart from looking like bane in the gym do you see any benefit of using tools like that or anything better so one of the interesting things, it's almost like false, but really interesting. So the altitude training, what about altitude, the air is thinner. So we can have, there's less available oxygen in the air. And um, hypoxic training, like hypoxia is when the, your blood oxygen saturations drop below 91%. Now, altitude training at say like 3,000 meters is going to be somewhere like a, a, a mid to three or 4,000 meters being like a mid to high 80s percentage of red blood cells saturated oxygen your blood oxygen saturation so we can mimic altitude training with breath holding because you can mimic the hypoxia that you create now these masks came out that would provide resistance to our breathing and would make your breathing feel harder and when you're at altitude breathing feels harder yeah and so then they got marketed as a as an altitude training mask and then people went hold on a minute this mask is providing resistance to my breathing, making my breathing harder, but it's not changing my blood oxygen saturation. And so then everyone poo-pooed them. And now what people are starting to realize is they go, hold on a minute, one of the things that's difficult about altitude training is not just that the air's thinner in terms of oxygen, the fact that air's thinner, the way that we breathe is you have to increase the volume inside of you, which decreases pressure, and air moves from pressure of high to low. When the outside air pressure is lower because you're at altitude, your breathing muscles have to work harder to get the air to come in and get it out. So actually, one element of altitude is also the ability for your breathing muscles to work, to be stronger. So then we come for and go, hold on a minute, actually, providing resistance to my breathing is one way to train those respiratory inhalation and exhalation muscles that's necessary for altitude. So those altitude masks that we poo-poo because they weren't creating hypoxia actually are training the strength element that we need for altitude training. So then it's like, oh, actually, maybe they are sort of an altitude mask. And then what we do with the oxygen advantage is we use the mask and we use breath holding with them. So we do get hypoxic because we use XL breath holds, and that's been widely studied for the last 20-odd years. And then that resistance is something that's building up the respiratory muscle strength, which is yeah, not just for altitude, it's just good for the strength of those breathing muscles for joints of those breathing muscles yeah if you're if you're working in sports and you train all the other muscles in your body why aren't you training your diaphragm why aren't you training your intercostal because they're going to benefit as well it's like bicep curls for your lungs basically <laughs> yeah yeah exactly <laughs> why wouldn't you if we're sure uh, everyone loves bicep curls the last point i wanted to just uh touch upon before we round this off and draw it to a close there's been Obviously, so much information here. Um, really appreciate all your time, and we'll obviously I'll link all the all the resources and the in the websites and things like that at the end. 
the idea of using mouth tape for sleeping has become quite popular now. I think uh, it'd be good to get your yeah uh, your take on those who are perhaps a bit more skeptic about this. Is that the right word? Yeah, skeptic. Yeah, skeptic. Um, skeptic about it. Um, and you know, it may be seem quite scary to obviously tape your mouth. I mean, we're not talking about using duct tape here. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. yeah. I should make that explicitly clear. You're yeah. not trying to completely glue your mouth shut. But, uh, but yeah, what what would the benefits of of using tape be? Yeah. So um, yeah, obviously we've talked we've talked a lot about the benefits of nasal breathing over mouth breathing. Mouth breathing more part of stress. You sort of think, well, would you want to be breathing in a stressed way when you're trying to sleep, or do you want to be breathing in a calm, relaxing way when you sleep? You know, the calm, relaxing one. So you know, you would lose a lot more moisture. You lose forty two percent more moisture over mouth breathing at night. So you wake up with a dry mouth. Your airways dry like it. The oxygen delivery is poorer. You're also more likely to snore when your mouth. It's very difficult, almost not to snore when your mouth is open. Before we get to mouth, um, okay, but do we do mouth tape first? But don't let me forget about like body position. Um, okay. When we're putting tape directly on the lips, we recommend using 3M Micropore tape. Yes, it's almost like semi-see-through, and it's and it's not like crazy sticky like um, uh, duct tape. Um, you don't even have to seal the whole of your mouth. You can just use it like a, a thin strip in the middle. And you can leave a space on either side if, in case you like need to cough or you know you just it feels a bit panicky. To, you don't want to make yourself if it stresses you out. That's not going to help. So it needs to feel. You need to be calm and comfortable with it. So one thing we always suggest is put some on during the day for five ten minutes whilst you're washing the dishes or watching telly or reading a book or whatever on your computer, just to get used to the fact that. Actually, your brain is more than happy and prefers to breathe through your nose than your mouth if you give it the chance to. So make it a bit more of a norm. And I think one of my bugbears the most, so I tape my mouth and I work use tape, mouth tape and my clients and stuff. But the thing that is uh, just classically social media, it's like, okay, great, tape my mouth. And us as humans, we go, great, I'll tape my mouth. And I go, well, that's just like a Band-Aid literally over the top of the problem. The problem is, you don't naturally breathe through your nose. You need to do some conscious work whilst you're awake on your breathing to change your norm, change your auto. The other thing that's um, going to work in your favor is the, your body position. So if I'm lying on my back, your mouth, just because of gravity, is more likely to drop open. So sleeping on your side or your front um, can be beneficial for keeping the mouth closed without the need of tape. Yeah. Um, mm. But... Yeah, for a lot of people, taping the mouth, working on their nasal breathing consciously during the day, and you combine those two things together, being comfortable with the mouth closed at night is uh, is an absolute game changer for people's sleep. When you change and improve people's sleep, you change the following day, big time. Like no one wakes up from a great night's sleep and goes, oh, I wish I slept worse last night. But you always, the opposite happens. If you have a bad night's sleep, it affects how you feel and your mood and how you are the next day. It's massively important. It's life-changing. Change your one's sleep. Yeah, you see a lot of people... There was an expression I heard the other day of uh, stepping over pounds to pick up pennies, yep. which is where people try their best to, you know, things like optimise these different things, but neglecting the, the fundamentals, such as getting enough sleep. Or yeah. you know they got a perfect, perfect morning routine. They they're taping their mouth, or they are doing the cold plunges, or whatever they are doing. But they're yeah. still only getting like five hours sleep, four hours sleep a yeah. night. And 
it's you know you got to obviously nail the basics first yeah you got to respect the whole the whole thing you got to respect the whole system and not all the different stresses that you're putting on your on your body absolutely jacko so if people want to find out a bit more about what you do and access some of those free resources that you were talking to us about earlier where might they find them yeah, um, website is probreathwork.com. There's a free foundations course. There's a free course for stress and anxiety management. And then if anyone's interested in, like I teach as a master instructor with the Oxygen Advantage, I teach the, uh, the advanced certification. So it's become a qualified coach. All the details for that are on there and any workshops um, that I'm running. And then my Instagram is probably the best, easiest place to, to, to find and interact with me. Try and put out as much good information on there. Not, not uh, stealing your... Um, attention but hopefully trying to educate you and sometimes also entertain you depending on what type of video it is um my instagram is uh, jacko.david.jackson so i say I, I never knew that a your uh, a nasal swab could go that far into your nose i'll let i'll yeah, let that's let a nice one to go, go watch <laughs> find out for themselves <laughs> brilliant thank you so much for your time today uh, it's been really really insightful and uh, i'll definitely be looking at some of those resources and trying to implement some of these practices in my daily life as well so thank you great thank you mate thanks Cheers. for having me on I hope the listeners um, are benefits if anyone has any any questions whether they send me a DM on, on Instagram I'd, I'd love to uh, hear from you and love to connect brilliant